shotglassdigital.com. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. To learn more, go to littledebbie.com forward slash Cosmic Cupcakes. With movies, gaming, books, comics, and collecting, a Little Debbie snack makes everything a little sweeter. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. where the fun begins a long time ago in a galaxy far far away this is rebel force radio your source for the force star wars news and commentary with jason swank and jimmy mack i've seen star wars 500 times star wars number one this station is now the ultimate power in the universe I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. I think I know how President Kennedy felt when they brought their reconnaissance photos of those Russian missiles in Cuba. We've got reconnaissance photos of our own here in the world of Star Wars fandom. But they're not they're not Russian nukes we're looking at. It's the Millennium Falcon. And an X-Wing. And all kinds of stuff. We'll uh, talk about that. Plus, we've got an interview with the man who saw it all, pilot Matthew Myatt, who's a simulations engineer for the Airborne Aviation Flying Club uh, over in the UK. That's just that's just one of the amazing stories that you're going to hear about here on Rebel Force Radio, this week's show for September 12, 2014. Welcome, one and all. Glad to be with you and glad to have you back listening to us here. And uh, to help me out with things, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. No, this is no Bay of Pigs. This is a Bay of Gamorreans, Rebel Force Radio. Gamorrean yeah. guards, right? <laughs> but, that was, but, uh, that yeah. was the Cuban Missile Crisis, though. You know, if, if you ever seen the movie 13 Days, you know, they really do a nice job reenacting that where they, they're marching the, the, you know, they got the, the film in the big canister and they're marching it to the president's office to show him, you know, these, these, these incredible photos that prove that there are Russian missiles in Cuba. And uh, I don't. It's the first thing I thought of when I saw these photos. It's amazing. These incredible <laughs> aerial shots of uh, filming location for uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. So, for those of you who are not um, hadn't heard the story, we'll have a, a whole lot more about it uh, coming up on the program. Uh, also, um, wanna, we wanted to mention uh, Stephen Stanton, who's been a great friend of ours here at Rebel Force Radio for a long time. Jim, he's got something going on in, uh, he's going to be in, in Ventura, California this weekend at VenturaCon. And as we said, we're not, I don't mean Jesse the Body Ventura. This is VenturaCon. And uh, he's uh, signing autographs and uh, doing some uh, work for charity there, right? So no charging. This is all for charity. That's the great thing about Steven is he's always been like that from day one 
at the convention scene. He's never, ever charged for an autograph. And so he'll be there. He'll be there. He'll have his own table at VenturaCon this weekend. And uh, he'll sign pictures for you in exchange for uh, charity donations. Plus, he'll be giving away free Little Debbie snacks. So Little Debbie, once again, coming to the rescue, uniting Star Wars fans and Clone Wars actors and snackaholics alike. And uh, it's just not enough for Steven to be there. There's always a crew. You know that, Jason. Whenever Steven goes, there's always the crew. And so this crew is awesome for MinturaCon. We got James Arnold Taylor hanging out with Steven Stanton. It's a Clone Wars reunion right there at the table. And, of course, Rick Fitz. Rick Fitz, just about every television show you've ever watched, Rick has been in at least one episode. And Michael Gregory, another very prolific actor who you've seen in all kinds of things, uh, especially Star Wars fans of the Old Republic will uh, recognize some of his work in that that game. So they'll all be hanging out at VenturaCon. If you want info, go to VenturaComicCon.com. And then also another Stephen Stanton update. Last time we had him on Rebel Force Radio, he was telling us about this amazing sculpt, head sculpt of Tarkin that his brother Roy had been working on. And so he'd been sending us photos of the uh, work in progress. We've seen the unpainted sculpt, but now it's really coming to life. It's painted. It's near complete if it's not complete already. And you can see all kind of updates on Roy's incredible Tarkin sculpt at Stephen Stanton's Facebook page. So, And we're linking to it on our Facebook page too. But we always want to do good by the people who do good for us. And Stephen Stanton, definitely one of those guys. Indeed, indeed. Um, we also wanted to uh, give you an update here on some things happening at uh, Shot Glass Digital as well as the, uh, of course, the Star Wars programming as part of the Shot Glass Digital Network on the Rebel Force radio feed. Uh, new this week, we've got Radio 1138, a new episode with John Jackson Miller and Irv Kirshner. Yeah, that's right. It's incredible vintage audio from a Mark Newbold interview with Kirsch. And uh, they played a little bit on episode 14, and you get a nice, healthy chunk of this interview here in episode 15. It's really interesting stuff. That's cool. Also, uh, Star Wars Oxygen, Jim, you and David Collins are going to be finally starting a discussion about the music of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, finally. We spent a lot of time on Empire because we feel that music deserves it, and we're not given anything. The, the short shift, is that shift? Is that how you say it? Or short shirft? Shrift is not a word. Shrift. I believe it's shrift. Mm. Shrift. 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 What? <laughs> What's Shrift. Shrift? <laughs> I, don't, I don't give nothing a short shrift. But, um, yeah, we finally moved forward to Return of the Jedi. And uh, me and David are back with Star Wars Oxygen, Volume 10, coming next week. So just check your Rebel Force Radio feed for that. Indeed. Also, uh, Fangirls Growing Rogue with uh, one of the Queen fangirls, Mary Franklin from Lucasfilm. So that'll be interesting to hear. Uh, and... Um, you never know what's going to happen when the when the when the girls start going rogue, when they start going rogue. But uh, so that's that. And also, I'm very happy to report that Bondcast is returned. Uh, we've got our um, swell summer's over, so the summer break is over, and we've got a new episode. And we it's our first of two episodes 
where we're going to be looking at On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is the one and done film for George Lazenby as 007. So um, Jim had uh, some trepidations, but I think you'll find at the end of the hour, uh, co-host Jonathan Wilkins and I bring him around just a little bit. (laughs) You guys do a good job. Um, Yeah, listen to the show. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll find out. I don't want to start getting into that again. You almost open up a can of worms there, Schwank. Right. Schwank. Short shrift, Schwank. Short shrift, um, Schwank, yeah. Also, we've got, uh, you know, hey, it makes sense. The uh, Lucasfilm and the Star Wars brand has been acquired by the Walt Disney Company. So why not expand and talk some Disney on the Shot Glass Digital Network? And there's a show, uh, Disney Vault Talk with uh, Steve Glosson, good friend of ours here at uh, Rebel Force Radio and no no stranger to your ears, I'm sure. Um, and from Geek Out Loud, of course. And Teresa Delgado from the aforementioned Fangirls Going Rogues. So they chat up uh, Disney on that program. And then Skywalking Through Neverland. we got a husband and wife team, uh, Richard and Sarah, and uh, th- their show sort of bridges Disney and Star Wars together. They talk about what's going on at the parks, other behind-the-scenes stuff, and then just sort of the encroaching Star Wars presence that you have within the whole uh, Disney kingdom. So that's all to be found at shotglassdigital.com. And uh, what a great, great lineup of entertainment, portable audio entertainment they have. We have. They have. We have. What am I saying? We have there. The Shot Glass <laughs> Digital. Uh, oh, hey, I have a note here about, um, Jim, something you wanted to mention about Charles Lippincott. Yes, yes. This is my pick to click. Jason was looking at the show notes. He's like, what is this? What pick, is pick to click? What is this? What are you, some kind of nut? <laughs> And I, but no, this is something that needs to get out there among Star Wars fans because Charles Lippincott, he was the original director of marketing. I, I don't know what his exact title was with the original Star Wars production. This was back in the days when a lot of those positions and offices weren't truly defined. So you had uh, guys, let's just say he was the original director of publicity for Star Wars. He was the guy out there who was going to the comic cons before the film was released, spreading the word about Star Wars before anyone knew about it. Well, Charles, as you heard him here on Rebel Force Radio last year, Charles has a vast and extensive knowledge of what went on behind the scenes with the making of Star Wars. This is before it all blew up into the huge cultural phenomenon that continues to this day. Here's the great thing about Facebook is uh, when people use it for the purposes of education, like Charlie is, it's when this website really shines because what Charles is doing is going through all of his old files. He saved everything from back in the day, everything from files about marketing and licensing and bootlegging and piracy and, um, you know, companies going back and forth with each other over these memos about how the Star Wars license should be distributed and how the Star Wars imagery should be used. And it's just like 
fascinating stuff to go back in time and learn about incredible things like, uh, you know, things that you've known your entire life as a Star Wars fan, like that famous Darth Vader Factors poster from the 70s. The, some people call it the Disco Vader poster. But Charles has documentation about the making and distribution of that very poster. He has canceled checks to guys like Joe Johnston. Um, he's got incredible stuff and he's putting it all out there on his Facebook page for anyone to look at and appreciate and be educated on what went on behind the scenes as far as licensing was considered. And, and a lot of us are star Wars collectors. That's, you know, something that is synonymous with our fandom is collecting and it's in, he has memos from Kenner. He has rejection letters from other toy companies. It's really an incredible look back in time as Charles Lippincott is trying to sort of organize his thoughts as he's, you know, in the golden stage of his life. And he's trying to crystallize all of his achievements as someone who worked in the film industry. And so, thank God, he kept everything and it's revelation after revelation with each and every post. So you want to go to Facebook and you want to like or friend Charles Lippincott just to see all of these incredible treasures he's pulling out of old file folders going back 40 years plus. It's incredible. Jason, there's this feeling you get as a Star Wars fan when you're making a discovery. And a trip to Rancho Obi-Wan is akin to that, where you are being exposed to legitimate pieces of the history of Star Wars. You are seeing the fabric being sewn together in front of you when you visit a place like Rancho Obi-Wan and you have these revelations about all the cool things you're seeing on display. That's the feeling I get sometimes when I'm looking at Charles Post's because it's the time machine. It's incredible. I strongly suggest anyone listening to the show, if you have that Facebook account, go ahead and Follow Charles Lippincott. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. Yeah, I'm just flipping through some of the photos right now and seeing what he's uh, been posting. It's uh, it is it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. And who knew? I had no idea that he was doing that. That's uh, that's fantastic. Good tip, Jimmy Mac. It's though. a tip. That's my pick to click. What are you, some kind of nut? <laughs> that's my pick to click for Star Wars fans. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. By the way, for the record, if you're trying to send me a message via Facebook messages, I, I refuse to download a second app on my phone to check those, so um, email me instead. Show at rebelforceradio.com. That's the best. It's driving place. me nuts. Do you see this? How they're, how they're doing this? Yeah. With Facebook yeah. now? Yeah. And I heard there's. I go to check my messages. It's like, oh, you got to download a second app. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I heard there's something kind of shady about the way that app operates on a functional level, too. So. Yeah, it's all about government surveillance. Little, yeah, a little privacy invasion might be happening there. So, for all the good stuff I just said about Facebook. <laughs> well, speaking of privacy and, and invasion, uh, I don't know if this counts. I mean, it, it, hey, it was open airspace. Why not? This was amazing. So this story broke uh, late last week about a pilot who was um, actually this story broke today. It broke today. It broke today. 
He, he took the flight oh, he, last he took week. The photos on Friday. The story broke today. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's, it's really, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, what had happened is so that this, I don't know, Jim, he explains it. We'll, we'll be talking to him here in just a minute. Uh, you caught up with him uh, earlier today, but Matthew might, he is a simulations engineer for airborne aviation flying club at Popham airfield in, in Hampshire over in England. And I'm still trying to figure out w- why a guy who, um, does this, uh, simulations, work why is he flying around taking photos is he doing that to help the uh the actually the the simulators that train pilots is that what it was well actually it was uh more for um promotional reasons and we'll get into that with uh matthew myatt in just a minute but uh while he was just on a random flight as he's taken so many of them yeah this is routine for him this is routine he uh he snapped some photos and discovered in those photos an exterior shooting location for Star Wars episode 7 why do we think that because there is a life-size millennium falcon parked on an old airbase just about 40 minutes away from london Upon further inspection, you also notice two X-Wing parked within that same area. It's more than just mm, a, a fan-built thing. I mean, this is life-size. No, not, not, even, not even who are those? Who are the crazy guys? The Belgians. Yes. You know, that, that, that create these amazing life-sized uh, replicas uh, at various Star Wars events. This isn't, this isn't one of their things. Right, this right. Is, and when this Jason be legit. And when Jason calls the Belgians crazy, he means crazy good. So <laughs> of, oh, of course. <laughs> of, of course. So um so he else creates a, a life-size rancor. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing the work they do. I can't wait to see what they're going to come up with for Celebration Anaheim next year. But uh but right now we're talking episode 7 and we're talking about the discovery of a new shooting location right outside London. And uh, earlier today, I tracked down the man himself, the guy who took these photos. His name's Matthew Myatt. And uh, we had a great time talking about this incredible case of being in the right place at the right time. Hello, Matthew. Hi, how you doing? Hey, good. It's Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So tell us, Matthew, um, you uh, actually are employed by the... uh, Airborne Aviation Flying Club as a simulations engineer, but you also do photography on the side, right? Well, yeah, that's correct. And and as part of uh, my role uh, last Friday was to go up and do a formation flight and take photographs of our own aircraft to update our uh, website. Oh, okay. And so what does a a simulations engineer do? Okay, well, at uh, Airborne Aviation, what we do is obviously we train pilots uh, for the future to fly. But um, also we have uh, a simulator and uh, we can teach people how to fly uh, procedures in a simulator rather than just getting into an aircraft. I get it. I get it. So are you you're actually a pilot yourself? Uh, Yeah, indeed. Cool. Cool. And I I bet you never thought that in all of your years of flying, you would come across the Millennium Falcon. Well, absolutely. And, And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm still reeling from the shock uh, it's a phenomenal thing to have seen i mean i'm 47 so i can remember star wars in 1977 
and you know growing up with that you know the whole star wars era and the phenomenon that is star wars to to have spotted the millennium falcon was something that has made me a, a, a small boy again, reliving those memories of 77. That's amazing. So this all happened last Friday. Why don't you walk us through it, how it all went down, and how you actually discovered what looks like to be an actual shooting set for Star yeah, Wars Episode Seven? I can confirm it, it is the set at Greenham Common. Um, quite clearly, from around the, you know, the, the, the surrounding area of where the Falcon is are two X-Wings, um, there are satellite radar dishes that are part of a, it looks like a military base installation that's been specifically built for filming. Um, and they've planted trees and bushes and uh, hidden things in, 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 the, in the sort of uh, scenery and things, in the grass and things, to make it look like it's a, a proper rebel base, I suppose. Oh, really? So you've spotted other set decoration other than the, the two ships we've seen online. There's two X-Wing Park there, and there's part of the Millennium Falcon, just half of it. And the reason there's only half of the ship is probably because they're shooting it from a certain angle and they didn't need to actually build the entire ship on location. But you've seen other set decoration out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As I say, there are communication dishes there that are part of the set. They're not normal communication dishes. They've, they've been made to look very sci-fi, uh, as well as um, various other bits of, of hardware that, that are sort of disguised all around the side. But, you know, it's very evident that it is a, 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 a movie set um, with locations for, for uh, camera platforms. And today I've, I've actually found out that they are uh, shooting principal photography using helicopters actually over the side. Oh, okay, so th- there's actual aerial footage. So, again, let, let's go back to last Friday when you discovered the set. Tell us what was going on, what you were doing up there. You say you were shooting some footage for the website. But what went through your mind when you spotted the Star Wars set? Okay, well, what happened was we took off from Popham Airfield, um, which is a small general aviation airfield in, uh, in, in Hampshire. And we flew directly north because the weather wasn't particularly good on this Friday. We flew north looking for some spots in the clouds where we could get some sunlight and get the planes looking really good. So as we approached Greenham Common and I started shooting photographs from outside of the aircraft, because the aircraft I was in had no doors on it, so I could lean out to take good pictures. I could see something on the ground that shouldn't be there because Greenham Common, as you probably are aware, is is an ex-American uh, airbase, uh, which uh, at one point was the home of cruise missiles here in the UK. And subsequently, it's been closed and, and the whole site has been returned back to common land, which is which is basically a green park. So when I looked down at what was formerly the missile silos, you could see all of these what I would describe as bits of hardware on the floor. And at first I thought that perhaps that, that it was some sort of military, uh, some, some sort of test aircraft that were being built there, you know, some sort of experimental rig that was going on. But we flew over again and started to orbit around the site and I shot some pictures, but I couldn't be certain what it was. I certainly had no idea that it was Star Wars related. Um, you know, here in the UK, we know that those big productions take place at Pinewood in London. So Star Wars was a million miles from my mind. And uh, 
after shooting the objects on the ground, we flew back to Popham, which was about a 15 minute flight. We landed and at the end of the day, I went home and I thought no more of it until I was prompted yesterday. How are the pictures coming along? So last night I loaded the pictures up into Photoshop so I could see them all and noticed something very odd in one of the photos. So I zoomed in and I literally just fell off my chair. I was absolutely gobsmacked. And I thought, no, I can't. This can't be what I'm seeing. So I called my son over to me and said, James, take a look at this and tell me what you see. And, and he just started jumping around the room. He was going absolutely crazy. And, and you know, it just dawned, you know, that, that moment when you realize what you've got, that it's the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> it was just, I can't explain it. The excitement was unbelievable, just unbelievable. Now, how far is this, this former airbase, Greenham Common, how far is it from London? Well, from London, it's only, uh, I've got a map here in front of me, I'm just measuring out for you. From uh, from London, it's probably only about 30 miles in, in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it's to the to the west of London, uh, directly in a straight line, if you like. And um, driving time from London, probably about forty minutes. Okay, all right. And is it a place that you often have flown over in the past? No, do you know that was my first flight over Greenham Common. I mean, I'd heard of Greenham Common, um, obviously because of the fact that the, it was an American airbase. There were cruise missiles there at one point. It was a, a very well-known um, uh, no-go area, if you like. Oh, okay. So this was a great opportunity for me to actually fly over the former airbase, which which had one of the longest runways in the UK, to actually see what was left. So, you know, this was my first visit, and. My God, will I remember it for the rest of my life? <laughs> of course. You you suddenly found yourself in a galaxy far, far away. That's incredible. So obviously the, the biggest set piece that we can see from your photo is the Millennium Falcon itself. Um, was that the first thing that jumped out to you when you zoomed in? Absolutely. That You cannot mistake that shape, whether it be a half of a falcon or, or a whole falcon. You just cannot. You know, it's such a unique shape. As I say... To say it jumped out at me, it, it was a disbelief. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I, and that's why I had to call my son because, you know, these are something you don't see and certainly something you don't get to photograph. You know, I'm, I've been shooting photographs for years and I've photographed prime ministers and pop stars and I've never photographed anything that has made me so excited as, <laughs> as the shot that I got of the Falcon. That's right. That's the power of Star Wars. And as you say, being from the original trilogy generation, you're a guy who grew up on Star Wars and his kids from the seventies, it's part of our DNA. And oh, I mean, to, to come across such an iconic symbol from your childhood is uh in, in the real world is got to be crazy so you guys are staring at the falcon and yeah. what, you zoomed out a little bit when did you spot the x-wing uh, i i suspect after about five minutes of of adulation and excitement uh I, I zoomed the picture out and then more detail became available you know i started to spot more things like the x-wing that was covered in a tarpauling um the, the second X-Wing and the various objects on the ground, I then zoomed in closer to get a really good, I wanted to, let's see what's here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I then started to analyze the picture in great detail, but it took a good hour for me to absorb what I was, you know, what I was seeing on, on the shot. 
when did the significance really hit you on the head? And, and when did you say to yourself, boy, I, I got to get this out there. I got to let the world know I have the Internet at my fingertips. I have a Twitter account. I'm going for it. Well, do you know, it, it didn't happen like that at all. And that's the strange thing. Uh, um, last night at about midnight, I was just getting ready to bed. I made a, a copy of the picture and I thought this would be a really nice picture just to tweet out from our airborne aviation account to sort of show people you know this is something we've spotted on the ground i had no idea what would happen so i I tweeted it turned my ipad off went to sleep woke up this morning with my phone ringing at half past seven constantly (laughs) wouldn't stop i got out of bed answered the phone and it was a national newspaper here in the uk that was saying we want to buy this picture and you know that moment when you're sort of half awake and half asleep i was like what's going on give me a minute and i'll call you back I grabbed my iPad, switched on, and it just was going crazy. My Twitter feed would not stop it. I couldn't even log in properly because this Twitter notification was dropping down the screen. And and as I'm talking to you now, I'm seeing about 80 tweets a minute just flashing up on my screen of the tweet being repeated and being retweeted. And I tell you, it's... It's surreal. It's just very, very surreal. You hear about things going viral and, you know, but to actually have something like that happen to you is unbelievable. And people were phoning me from Japan and from America and all over the world. And it's just like, wow. (laughs) Wow, that's great. I mean, because, you know, you just stumble across a Star Wars set. This is a production that's shrouded in secrecy and every move is being carefully coordinated. And here you are just flying along, snapping photos, and you didn't even realize until a few days later what you had. That, that to me, is the craziest part about it. It was just something caught your eye in one photo, and you decided to do a little investigation, and you discover the Millennium Falcon. So let me ask you this. Do you plan to fly over the site again while it's still an active shooting location? You said that they're doing aerial photography today, uh, shooting with helicopters and whatnot. Um, have have other people attempted to try to fly into that area and shoot some additional photos? I'm not aware of other people as yet flying into the area. I've had a lot of requests asking for the uh, the longitude and latitude of the location, which I've been uh, uh, not unwilling to give out. But I've, I'm trying to be a bit careful because the last thing we want are uh, too many aircraft flying around the site and uh, potentially causing a hazard for everybody. Um I do intend to go back definitely and take some more pictures. But something that really is interesting is that since about 10 o'clock today, since my picture started going viral, there has been what's known as a NOTAM, which is a notice to airmen asking all aircraft to stay away from the area mm, and go. also to, you know, be aware that there's filming going on and, and not to disturb it. So they're very, uh, I would say, reluctant to allow anybody else to get near the place. Wow, so it's just kind of uh, become such common knowledge now that uh, who, who's issuing the uh, the no fly uh, uh, request? Is that the uh, the government or your your governing body of uh, of airline craft? I, I I don't know how that works out there. Yeah, I mean we we have uh, just like you guys do. We have a, a a government body that controls airspace within the United Kingdom. Uh, and they issue um, notifications of what airspaces are open and what hazards are there to be, you know, to, to be aware of and so on. So they, they were the people that issued uh, the, the no fly, uh, no flying over the zone uh, notification. And that's the National Air Traffic Control Service here in the UK. OK, there you go. There you go. So it's official. 
Anyone listening to the show, don't try to take your aircraft, spacecraft, whatever kind of craft you got, fly over this area looking for uh, the Star Wars set. So uh, uh, apparently you are the, the one man who was able to do it. And uh, you brought us back some incredible photos. Uh, your, your son must have been thrilled. How old is he? Uh, he's 20. And, he's 20. Uh, you know, totally wrapped up in the Star Wars thing, like, like most kids of that age. Good, good. Well, that's good to hear. And, and uh, you, uh, uh, father and son, you guys looking forward to actually seeing Star Wars Episode Seven, probably now more than ever. Most definitely. And we're certainly looking forward to trying to spot the... Uh, the, the, the shots that were filmed on that set. Oh, I'm sure you'll see them. I'm sure you'll see them. Uh, they don't just build the Millennium Falcon someplace and uh, not use the footage. Well, I, you know what? I should take that back. They, they actually have done that in the past. And uh, some, something else about the past, too. Yeah, there was this uh, sandstorm scene they shot for Return of the Jedi, and that footage was never used, and it was right outside the actual Millennium Falcon itself. So uh, I have to correct myself on that one. Uh, being a, a Star Wars historical buff, I, I do know that there's a story about some press helicopters flying in the glaciers of Norway back in the late 70s looking for the Empire Strikes Back filming locations. And they actually got off a few photos and uh, published those those pictures for uh, some European newspaper. The story is actually in the making of Empire Strikes Back. So it's kind of like history is repeating itself, except uh, nowadays we have the Internet and we have guys like you uh, who have the eagle eye and uh, the inquisitive nature to take a close look at uh, the photography you shot last week and discover, of all things, the Millennium Falcon. That's just mind-blowing. Isn't it just? It I mean, it's really a, is. an absolute one-in-a-million shot. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad to hear you're getting a lot of attention. I, of course, learned of this story from the BBC. Um, I'm sure you'll be uh, appearing on their television stations if you haven't already. Indeed. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, we want all of our listeners to be keeping their eye out for photographer and pilot Matthew Myatt. Matt, it's just been such a a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Glad we were able to share this this incredible moment with you and uh, enjoy all the attention you're getting. Thank you very much. And may the force be with you, sir. All right, Jim. So I'm looking at the photo here and something that jumps out at me is that the and, and maybe it's just it could be the angle. You know, everything looks what is that Bette Midler song from a distance? Everything looks wonderful and, and clean. This Falcon that I'm looking at looks remarkably clean to me. Um, the, the initial photos that we saw from the set that, that broke earlier this summer, I felt showed a Falcon that had clearly aged even beyond the wear and tear that we were familiar with with in the uh, original trilogy. But I'm looking at this thing and I'm seeing it. Don't you think it almost looks like it looks like the the the, the Kenner or the Hasbro toy? It's very very clean. There doesn't yeah. seem to be much battle damage to this. Well, it's, I mean, it could is, this yeah. be a could this be a flashback? I mean, no. or, or or something? I or or is it later in the film when they get it refurbished? I just, What's going on? They run it through the car wash. <laughs> well, I think we're just looking at a, a case of the technology here. The fact that this was aerial photography that was zoomed in on considerably to uh, be able to capture these images with this kind of clarity. And I think we're just losing a little bit of the, the resolution and, uh, and detail 
um, hmm. with it being shot so far away. Yeah, it does look like very stark white, but I just I think that's just a result of it you know, being shot the way it was shot. I think if you were on ground level, you might be seeing a little bit more detail. And also it depends on the angle for which they're actually shooting the, uh, the sequence too. I mean, um, maybe, uh, there, there might be a lack of detail up there because there's just not going to be much camera work going on up there. So yeah, that, could, that could be too. That could know. be too. And then and um, with, with, and then with certain lighting and everything, we don't know what time of day they're actually shooting this stuff, but, but you know, you, you heard Matthew himself. He, he did confirm to us that they are shooting. You know, he said aerial photography. So yeah, they've got, he said they had helicopters flying around and, and, and doing that work. And, and, and since this, um, story broke that particular um bit of airspace has been closed off when you right. say they get a uh an an n n something <laughs> basically a non a, a non-flight notice they have tie, so, fi- tie fighters flying uh, overhead yeah, just that's what i'm half expecting in a now let's look at the x-wing um does the, it is really hard to tell um but the, the x-wing is you know they've got it all kind of tarped up um got grand moff tarpon down there he's it's 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 all covered in kind of in in blue and um in gray uh coverings of some sort uh probably to i guess you know protect it from the elements the weather perhaps um or from you know matthew's camera Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to determine whether or not this jives with the x-wing that we saw in jj's video for the for the force for change or is this more of the uh, the traditional X-wing from the original trilogy? You know, I'm not a ship's guy. I'm the first to admit it. So some of the times those details escape me. Um, kind of hard to tell from here, but I I get the sense that maybe this is more along the lines of the X-wing from the original trilogy, as opposed to whatever the kind of the newer version is that we saw in the JJ video. Yeah, that's interesting, Jason. I'll, I'll totally forgive you for the grand moff tarpon line um <laughs> I, I i do i forgive you <laughs> but let's look at this x-wing a little bit uh-huh. and what i'm noticing right away is the the nose section seems to be really elongated in the front Maybe- and thin yeah, like like the uh, the dragster, you know. Um, yeah, I believe you know Colin Cantwell built one of the original prototype X-wing models using an old dragster model kit, just something he got you know over the counter and uh, over the counter models. Um, I'm talking about models, um, but I mean it just it seems to be really elongated. Uh, the reason I think it's all wrapped up in tarp is probably because it had just been placed there after transportation. Uh, maybe it was in pieces on a flatbed. I'm not sure. Um, you do see there is a, a crane of some sort. Uh, they have a cherry picker there with a guy working on the hull of the Falcon. Um, maybe he's actually a- applying the the airbrushed uh, uh, weathering. Uh, this one. one goes here. <laughs> that one goes there. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's Harrison himself. He just he can't sit still, you know. Um, I also like some of the, um, I, the the markings on the actual um, landing areas for the, for these ships. It's that's very Star Warsy, kind of an orangey yellow. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you see a lot of different things there. Are those droids? Are those props of some sort? What are the? What are they? I, I cannot make. I'm my- zooming as far as I can zoom on my uh, on my machine here, and um, it's 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 hard to make out whether or not this is part of the set or I mean um, Matthew did say that in addition to the three ships the two X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon he was seeing you know radar dishes and you know pieces of machinery that were um, clearly from the galaxy far far away and not you know actual working working stuff but um, it is reminiscent when I look at it Jim it looks very familiar to me of you know the way that the um, you know the rebel base looked there on uh, on Yavin and you see there's there are radar dishes out there on the field and uh other uh sort of doodads and gizmos and tchotchkes and uh greeblies they call them yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry if i'm getting too technical but yeah, i mean uh, so this is like a combination of what you would see on hoth in addition to what you see on on yavin with the with the radar dishes and some of the some of the um you know, the artillery that they had there on Hoth, sand snow, of mm-hmm. course. And I like how the hangar itself is dug into this man-made hill. It it looks very Star Wars-y. It does capture that Yavin flavor. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, a lot of work's going to be done to create uh, matte paintings around this structure, would have to be, because it's it's fairly ordinary looking in the background you know you see well yeah very modern you know um certainly not the the galaxy far far away aesthetic where you got like the big warehouse in the back yeah with the parking lot (laughs) and and i I believe yeah there's a burrito truck back there yeah i was gonna say is that a walmart i think that's a walmart um but i mean how cool is this i mean this is uh, of all the unlikely places to to get a, a, a scoop on uh, what's going on with Star Wars Episode Seven, I mean, the guy's got to be like, the people associated with the production have got to be like, you got to be kidding me. What? We can't. <laughs> they probably thought they were well protected, and here comes the most random, uh, the most random flight. But it was meant to be. It was meant to be. And it's cool because, it, you know, it's fun to hear um, uh, Matthew talk about uh, sharing this experience with his son. He has a 20-year-old son who's a Star Wars fan, and he's helping his dad, you know, determine what these things are. So great story, and uh, big thanks to Matthew for taking the time out to, to join us and tell us about this amazing discovery. Very cool stuff. Uh, so Liam Neeson, right? Liam Neeson is, has this almost like this second career, Jim. I don't know if it was Qui-Gon Jinn or what role. I think it was the role when he played uh, in that first Taken movie. But the guy's in his early 60s now, and he's just this bona fide action hero all of a sudden. Sure. Which he's... is incredible. It's a, it's, a whole, it's a whole new career for him. But um, he was, he's out promoting this, his latest movie, A Walk Among the Tombstones. That sounds kind of badass. Liam Neeson, kicking butt kind of movie. And... Um, he was uh, talking to the to uh, the Hey You guys, uh, Stefan Pape. Uh, I have no idea if that's a podcast or a radio show or whatever it is. Yeah, anyway. I, you know, it was hard for me. I think it's just a website and, uh, you know, they, they focus on movies and pop culture and stuff. Well, Liam was on and the question of 
his potential involvement in Star Wars Episode Seven uh, came up, of course. I can't sit down with a, a former Jedi and, and not ask if he's uh, been asked to be in the new Star Wars. And I haven't. He would, is no. this something you'd entertain the idea if, if so? If I, I most certainly would. Absolutely. I certainly don't want anybody else playing it. <laughs> Qui-Gon's in. Um, I, I don't know what the, the current story is now at all. I, I think it's Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. It's that. Their, their character's generation. I came way, way... Before that, my character was way, way before that. Yeah, we can find a way. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they could. I hope, I'd love to get gold, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've always, you know, as fans, we've always thought it would be great to have some connection between Qui-Gon Jinn, who was really, in, in a lot of ways, sort of the, the, the catalyst for so much of what became the whole Skywalker journey and the whole Skywalker story that... Uh, it was a shame that there was not really any mention of Qui-Gon. There was really nothing to kind of connect Qui-Gon to Luke's journey, even though, as I say, he was very instrumental in sort of kickstarting that whole thing um, down to the point of, you know, Yoda, the Jedi master who instructed me. Well, the other one. <laughs> so you know, Qui Gon Qui Gon Jinn really is the forgotten Jedi. Uh, yeah, I mean, is. even within the prequel trilogy itself, it seemed like the opportunity to link in Qui Gon Jinn to Anakin's growth as a Jedi was grossly ignored, especially in Revenge of the Sith when they should. You know, here I am, furious fanboy, but. The, <laughs> I mean, every Star Wars fan wanted that moment when Qui-Gon Jinn actually crossed the threshold for the first time. And you saw, I mean, the origin of the Force ghost happen on screen. I don't think that would have done anything to destroy the mystique of the ability to cross over as a Force ghost. On, on myself as an audience member, I don't think it'll do anything to diminish that mystique. I think it'll even enhance it just knowing that at the end of that trilogy, the new hope comes not only in the form of Luke Skywalker, but it also comes in the form of Qui-Gon Jinn, who is now able to instruct and educate Yoda and Obi-Wan and prepare them for the day when Luke will be ready. But it all just kind of fell by the wayside. And why is that? Why didn't George put that sequence, which he had scripted, which ended up in the novelization, and I think even in the comics edition, why did George decide to exercise that from the script, from the film itself? Why? Yeah, I think that um, – I think Qui-Gon for George was – I think he was just a tool. He he was he needed to he just I think we have made Qui-Gon out to be bigger as fans than George ever really intended him to be. Um and when you when you get to the the end of Revenge of the Sith, yeah, I I'm with you. I would love to have seen it as a fan. I would love to have seen it, but I don't think it was really all that important to George. And and if you think about where Qui-Gon would be in his spiritual journey at the time of episode 7, um well beyond uh Obi-Wan and and Yoda, 
he had he had some years on those guys in terms of you know uh, uh, developing his post you know carnal life uh, you know as as a Jedi spirit. Um, you know something that occurred to me too. I remember reading you know the first uh, Thrawn novel and. There is a beautiful scene in the beginning where Obi-Wan appears to Luke and he says, this is one of the final times that I will appear to you. And um, I I wonder if, you know, we know that the expanded universe and what came before isn't necessarily going to have a bearing on what we see in episode seven, eight and nine. But I, I wonder how long the the need or the ability uh, comes into play for force ghosts and, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm just curious whether or not there's even a place for Yoda or Anakin or Obi-Wan for that matter in the original trilogy or in, the, in this new trilogy. Are there term limits for force ghosts? <laughs> But, I mean, think about it. Would you want to keep hanging around as a ghost? I mean, once you sooner or later go, okay, you know, ready for... Time to move on, right? Ready for the netherworld. Uh, still hanging out here on this swamp planet. It's kind of dull. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I would think that their spiritual journey would have to just... Would have to continue, and they would have to, um, I think, finally raise beyond you know rise beyond this the 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 mortal world um you know who knows i mean does it have to do with the fact i mean are jedi able to hang on longer if they have unfinished business you know was there something you know there was there was a sense at the end of return of the jedi of course of finality and that luke was saying goodbye to yoda and old Ben and creepy Hayden uh, at, the, at the end. Um, no, I love that Hayden's in there. I really do. I, I, I like that. I, I think it works. It works for me. I, I'm not sure that, um, you know, the, the way he sort of played it, it's not as, he's certainly not as, as warm and fatherly as, as Sebastian Shaw was in that, in that final clip. I mean, you had, you know, all of these, uh, well, not just father, almost a grandfatherly types. He's very warm and, uh, uh, you know, uh, paternal uh, figures there at the end. And, you know, and, and Hayden. But, but, I, but I like it from the standpoint that it connects the two saga, you know, the two fi- film trilogies together very much. And I, and I also think that it makes sense that that would be, that would be, the the moment in time where Anakin would be would be frozen his his spiritual you know he would I mean you think about Jim you know if if you died and came back as a ghost would you want to look like you do now or when you were you know right when you died at eighty years old or would you like to come back when you know when you're a young buck young stud well yeah if if you have a choice is it like an app is there an app for that. I just think, really, to go back to what we were originally talking about, I think it would have made a lot of sense to have Qui-Gon appear in the actual film Revenge of the Sith 
and get his moment where he can kind of explain things. And that would have been a lot more helpful than some other exposition that was going on. Or it could have even answered some questions that we still have as fans of Revenge of the Sith. There's there's questions I still have about that film. Maybe a little Qui-Gon debriefing there at the end of the film where he sort of lays out things to Yoda crystal clear so uh, we understand exactly where everything's going would have made sense because, let's face it, in Return of the Jedi, the spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi gets that time with Luke where he lays it all out there and finally comes clean on everything that's been going on. It would have been interesting, especially the way that George Lucas likes to repeat himself in an almost musical fashion as he created these two trilogies, it would have been really cool to see Qui-Gon Jinn have that same opportunity to educate from the beyond. Yeah, but, you know, I think what George was starting to do there towards the end is he started to see this this story, the prequel trilogy story, was starting to splinter off in so many potential directions uh, he really had to focus as he was closing in on the end of Sith. And uh, you hear Rick McCallum on the on the bonus features of the DVD talk about why they ended up cutting you know, Yoda's arrival on Dagobah because it didn't affect the kids. And from the moment that the kids are born, that's what they're focusing on. Now all of a sudden it goes from being Anakin's story to being the story of the children. And, you know, frankly... Yoda's spiritual development by way of Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm I'm not saying that there wasn't that's not there's not a place for it. I'm just trying to think like George here. Um was not was not important. It wasn't really relevant to the story he was trying to tell at the time, and that was uh, focused solely on the, the journey of the kids. Here's a cool way to sort of resolve that is you actually have Obi-Wan with Luke drop Yoda off. On the planet Dagobah. So they're just there with him for a brief moment. But it makes such an imprint on the infant Luke that when he returns to Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back, he says, I don't know, there's something familiar about this place. That's why he says it, is because he was actually there as an infant. But, you know, (laughs) again, I don't want to go all crazy fanboy and... Start saying, well, it should have been this way. It should have been that way because I believe in Jimmy Mac edit. Yeah, I believe it should be accepted for what it is. But there there's a lot of evidence telling us that that was a direction the story was going in was to actually have that interaction between Qui-Gon Jinn's spirit and Yoda at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But to Lucas's credit, he did at least include it in. The Clone Wars, and that did sort of help ease that wound a little bit for me. Yeah, and it was great to see uh, Liam reprise the role in the in the Clone Wars animated series. Yeah, sure. and it's great to hear him talk about it and take ownership of that role and said, "No, I don't want anybody else playing Qui Gon. It's I'm Qui Gon." Is essentially what he's <laughs> right. saying. So, and I, I know the people at Lucasfilm feel the same way. So maybe there'll be uh, less pressure down the road with episode eight and episode nine and perhaps some elements of the prequels might see some new light 
in the sequel trilogy. But right now we know there's this obvious uh, direction that the production's going into have more roots and more connections and more ties to the original trilogy. So um, I think they're just going to start there as a launching point. And then once I think production moves on with future episodes of the saga, you'll see maybe that noose starting to loosen a little bit on the prequels. Uh, speaking of Star Wars Episode Seven, there's some casting rumors. Um, this has not been officially announced by anyone at Disney or Lucasfilm, so until we get such an announcement. This is considered rumor, but there's a new cast member, Christina Chong, who was last seen on 24 uh, Live Another Day, which, by the way, I watched every episode of that. I don't recall Christina. Hmm. Um, but, you know, that's a very fast-paced show, right. and characters are in and out very quickly, uh, but I don't, I don't recall Christina, but she's a lovely young lady, uh, obviously an Asian-American actress, and uh, so this is coming by way of Latino Review saying that, yes. Oh, and it is El Mayimbe. El Mayimbe says that she is in. Um, she was also uh, the lead in uh, uh, Halo Nightfall. Uh, or just, just got the role, apparently. Um, so she's going to go from that into uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. So no news on what the role is, but we did get an excited email uh, from uh, <laughs> loyal Rebel Force Radio listener Adrian. He says, "Hey Jimmy and Jason, I think there is a newish, uh, a newish cast member uh, that not a lot of folks are talking about. Christina Chong. She was in Twenty Four as well as in Season Seven of Doctor Who." I, every, I think I was in a season of Doctor Who. <laughs> Everybody's been in that show. I didn't know it, but I think I was in Everyone's she has, it. She has experience in action thrillers, video games, crime drama, sci-fi. Et this must be her agent writing with the, you know, the, the recap of the bio. He says, if she is a cast member, then she is the first Asian actor since Gray Squadron Y-Wing pilot Lieutenant Telsage, who said, there's too many of them. In Return of the Jedi. There's too many of them. There we go. So I, I thought this was a really interesting email because, you know what, number one, this um, news, I say in quotes, because it's not confirmed, as Jason said, but it, it just seems so random that uh, who knows where this is coming from, but for us, it's coming from Latino Review, and uh, this is this is from a, actually uh, the summer, and uh, it did sort of slide under the radar with us for some reason. I don't know, but I, I find it really exciting to to think about the fact that uh, you know the, the cast of Episode Seven is getting more diverse with uh, the inclusion of a female Asian actress, and uh, and I never knew that about the. Uh, there's too many of them guy from uh, return of the Jedi. I guess he is our only Asian star Wars character in any of the films. Wonderful news for Christina Chong. Um, and if it's true and she's joining the family of star Wars episode seven, that's great. That's great. And she joins the illustrious company of Lieutenant. What, what did I say? It was Tilge. Telsage. 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 I never even knew who Telsage was until I got this email. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. And I, cer and I certainly didn't know he was Asian. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Just, I just don't, you know, I tend not to think that way. Um, you know, my, the, the, the only uh, rebel pilot that I've ever categorized 
according to demographic, is uh, Granny X-Wing or oh, Granny yeah. Y-Wing. Right. What right. was she? Yeah, Granny she, Y-Wing. Granny Y-Wing or A-Wing. I think she was A-wing. Granny A-wing. A-Wing. Yeah. <laughs> just because, you know, it's just so bizarre. Do you have any Granny A-Wing footage available right now? I, I don't. I don't, have, I don't have that audio. I should because it's so great. I don't have that. Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Granny A-Wing. I got a lot. <laughs> the High Adventure has a song called Granny A-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, this is the senior citizen uh, female pilot who was uh, <laughs> featured. <laughs> well, I mean, she's no, she's no spring chicken, okay? She's. Typically, uh-huh. you know, I mean, she's old enough to be Mon Mothma's great great grandmother. <laughs> senior, are you kidding me? She's the most senior. Now we so. didn't meet her until the Blu-ray came out, and the all the deleted footage from the Blu-ray of the uh, the attack on the Death Star two and Return of the Jedi. There's some great stuff left on the cutting room floor, including a Granny A wing. You're taking a lot of fire. Back off! I'm hit. It's your left power supply. It's my left power supply. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Come on. Six squad fighters have broken through. We're starting our attack run on the main power tree. Repeat it, I didn't We're hear. We're starting our attack run on the main power tree. <laughs> We're starting our track run on the main power tree. Oh, jeez. It's just not. It's just a. I'm not believing her. Now listen, listen. You know, I'm having a hard time. Play that first clip again and listen closely when she says "fire." And I swear to God, she is a carbon copy of Margaret Hamilton, Wicked Witch <laughs> of the West actress. Listen. There's too many of them. You're taking a lot of fire. Back off. You're taking a lot of fire. Back off. That right I there. Hit. Right there. It's your left power supply. It's my left power supply. My pretty. <laughs> but but you hear it. It's like I do hear it. You're right. How about a little fire, Scarecrow? <laughs> We're taking a lot of fire. fire. Back off. There she is. Oh my taking a lot god. Of fire. Back off. How about a little fire, Scarecrow? Get clear. She's gonna blow. I'll get you, my pretty. It's a heavy fire zone down there. Here, Scarecrow. Wanna play ball? <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. That is amazing. So there you have it. Granny A-Wing and Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch of the West, separated at birth? Mayhaps, (laughs) mayhaps they were. Granny A-Wing reporting in. An elegant girl from a civilized age. The Empire stopped on her retirement way. Are stretched with a job to be done. Always takes a stance for good old hyperspace fun. She makes the boot to Eve look like a bad run. You get clear. I didn't hear. It's a prior zone. She's gonna blow. She'll always win. 
my gosh. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Uh, what else we got? Oh, Little Debbie. How about Little Debbie? Each and every week, we love to give back to the Rebel Force Radio listening community. You guys support us through thick and thin, and you're always there for us. So we want to do stuff to provide for you guys. So we give away galactic snack packs of Little Debbie amazing snacks and treats and things like cosmic cupcakes and nutty bars and star crunch and cosmic brownies and the list just goes on and on can't ever forget to leave out those cloud cakes but this week we have kind of a special uh voicemail and uh this comes from a listener brian brian who also reached out to me via email but first i want to play his voicemail and it's a very special message he has for a really loyal member of the Rebel Force Radio listening community. Hello, Jason and Jimmy Mack. This is Brian. I'm a big fan who has been listening to you guys since 2008 on your previous podcast. You gentlemen do an outstanding job. Uh, I was asked by loyal Rebel Force Radio listener Sandra Shute to see if I could get you guys to extend her a happy birthday, which is slash was on Monday, September 8th depending when you're listening to this message, the message on to the message. Uh, I know you guys don't do birthday greetings anymore, but I told her I would give it a try anyway. Uh, my friendship with Sandra actually developed because of your podcasting efforts. We became friends when we were both listeners to your previous podcast, and we both made the leap to RFR when it launched. Even though we've never met in person, she lives in Maryland. I live in Massachusetts. Uh, Sandra has become a good friend. Uh, she's someone I can geek out with over things like superhero films and, of course, the wars. I wanted to emphasize that this is not a romance. Uh, this isn't a Han Leia, Anakin, Padme, Kanan, Hera, love, Star Wars connection type of thing. Uh, I don't want to mess up any uh, thing that she may or may not have going on. You know, I don't want to cause any issues. We're just two nerds who share a few common interests, and uh, we formed a friendship while chatting on the Facebook page of your previous podcast. Uh, Sandra is a special education teacher, and she's very passionate about her work. She has a heart for young people, and she wears her Star Wars fandom on her sleeve. It doesn't take long for her students to discover her love for the wars. So, gentlemen, if you could find it in your hearts to wish loyal Rebel Force radio listener Sandra Shoot. A very happy birthday. I'm sure that she would be extremely grateful and maybe she'll slip me 20 bucks. Thank you for your time and may the force be with you always. Oh, Brian, of course. And how wonderful that we are bringing uh, people together like Brian and Sandra. And, you know, even though Brian, he says there's nothing going on. I know. Come on. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. you know. What I'm you can you can hear that. You can just hear. You can it. hear. Yeah, you can yeah, hear it in his yeah. voice. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. you know Whether what? Sandra we, knows it or not. Yeah, right, right. We yeah, and we we're not going to interfere, of course. No, but um, but yeah. So I, I, I love a guy who, in mid sentence, will just turn what he's saying into a Star Wars quote. Uh, you perfect, like, perfect. perfect. The message, aren't you? The message. You know, mm. I live. I live in that world too, where like, mm. I, I can't really at the day job. It's like just something though, kind of snaps in your head, and you just right, right. It. You find fantastic. yourself saying it. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Yeah. So but, much fun. Uh, so, Brian, so are we going to do it, Jim? Are we going to do it? Well, you know what? We have rules here where, you know, our rule is, is oh. that you have to spread the good word 
of Little Debbie Snacks and Rebel Force Radio on Twitter and Facebook. And go to the official Facebook page for Little Debbie and let them know you heard all about them here on Rebel Force Radio. So we have those strict rules. So somebody just can't call out of the blue and expect us just to turn over a galactic snack pack. However... However, all the bases are covered here, Jason, because Brian also sent me an email and he copied me on some of Sandra's posts on Twitter. She's a geek chick on Twitter and geek. Chick. I believe that's geek chic. Are you sure? Oh, chick. Isn't it? It could be yeah. chick. It could be chic. Geek chic. Geek chick. How do you, let's see. Chic. Definition. Geek chic. Yeah, elegantly and stylishly fashionable. Oh, well, that's Sandra. That, yeah, that's her. That's what, what am I saying? So, Geek Chic on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's um, a great handle. <laughs> that is a good one. Geek Chic on Twitter. Geek yeah. Chic would be a good name for a podcast, if you want my honest to God opinion. And I'm just throwing that out there. So, uh, no charge for that. No so. charge, no charge. See, you get educated here on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, Geek Chic on Twitter says, I want Little Debbie Cosmic Cupcakes to celebrate my birthday next week. Fingers crossed. And dreaming about Little Debbie Cosmic Cupcakes. Yummy. That's perfect. That's what we want to see from all of our listeners. Spread the word about Rebel Force Radio. Spread the word about Little Debbie. And before you know it, you got that galactic snack pack showing up on your doorstep, just like Sandra is going to be expecting at her house very soon. Unfortunately, we missed the birthday. Um, Brian didn't really let us know until we had actually wrapped up the show last week. So it's going to be showing up, and you're going to love it. Little Debbie... They are, of course, the official snack of Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! <laughs> all right, this is great stuff, guys, because this, this goes back all the way to 2001 when the rumors started that pop band NSYNC was going to be in Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. We knew that there was a big Jedi battle. And we had heard the rumor was that the members of NSYNC were, uh, they were uh, very popular at the time. And I think it was uh, George's daughters were big fans of theirs. And they were Star Wars fans, of course. And, well, why not have them in there? But then we heard the outcry. Oh, man. The fan I don't know. We were brought to our knees. I, uh, I, that was one of those things when the news came across, I, uh, I take myself back to 2001 and I, I think I refused to accept it. I said, I, I, I will not pay attention to this. This is clearly a rumor. I called Poodoo on it and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I said, this cannot be, but little did we know it actually did happen and sync was shot for inclusion in star wars episode two but yes they did not make the final cut fans everywhere celebrated except for jason jason you were probably big into the boy bands i totally was yeah i saw them like three times did you really (laughs) yeah my wife is this huge justin timberlake fan and it has been since um the nsync days and so yeah we were in college every time they would come around we had to we had to go so i went with her 
Would she? Yeah. Would she dress you up or anything like that for them? We can, you know. Uh, oh, well, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because she took me to the mall and said, "Well, I got to get you, you know, something hip to wear. You can't look like, you know, yourself at an NSYNC concert." Right. And uh, so, yeah, she got me. I, I still remember it was like this. You're just very tight clothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> all right, all right. This is too uh, much. This is yeah, <laughs> but it's true. So I did, in a sense, dress up. I didn't dress up like in sync, but you know, I remember just her being embarrassed by my my wardrobe at the time. Yes. Okay. Well, let's move away from embarrassment <laughs> and <laughs> talk about this. Great- I think this is the first time we've actually heard real confirmation from anybody who was there. Uh, and it comes from Joey Fatone, the former member of NSYNC. He was on uh, this show called – it's a podcast, What Say You? Yes. And it's done by the same guys that are uh, on that – the pra- Impractical Jokers. Have you watched that show? I've recommended that show to you. Have you- I-, I have. In you fact, have, yeah. they came to uh, the, the, the theaters where I work. Wow. Uh, they, do a, they do a tour. Did you sit mm-hmm. in on that show? I didn't. No, it was on a Saturday, and it was a Saturday that I didn't have to work, so I didn't go. I didn't go for it. Well, but uh, I'll tell you what—it's one of the funniest shows on TV. I laugh out loud every time I watch it. And Brian and Sal—they'll do anything on that show. And Practical Jokers, uh, loyal Rebel Force Radio listener Travis Fishburne tipped us off to this. He let us know that Joey Fatone was featured as a guest on the show What Say You, the podcast, just a few weeks ago. And finally, he opened up a little bit regarding those scenes he shot for Attack of the Clones. So this is great. We're actually going to hear from an actual end sync. How do you say it? Is it Nsync? It's Nsync. Oh, come on now. Nsync. Like in- you don't know. You, you've N- been working in radio since. Do you say. Nsync. In Nsync. I get it. All right, all right, whatever, whatever. So, um, so here's uh, Joey Fatone's cool. I like him. He's a good guy. Um, Joey good Fatone. Good friend of Steve Sansweet. Absolutely. So here he is finally opening up about that infamous footage that was shot of the boy band for Attack of the Clones. Even though they never showed it, it was never aired, it was never edited into the movie, we did uh, a couple of extra scenes for episode one. Oh, was it episode one, episode two? No, oh, for Star I heard Wars. about this. I think it was. What was the uh, was it episode two? I think Attack of Clones. Yeah, in the big arena. Sure. Episode two, then. Right. Yes, it was episode two. That's when they so were we, all just going berserk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's two. Well, we had we there was three of us. It was me, my brother. Uh, it was Chris and I believe JC. The four of us went. You know, through the other guys from, from yeah. NSYNC and my brother, and they got us in the gear. No. They glued the whole paddle on. You know. Tail, tailing right. I had, my head was all shaved and stuff. They actually, Chris had a goatee that was a little bit hair, and then he extended the whole thing. Um, and you, and no, literally, was, the coolest thing was is like we're, we were in an uh, industrial light magic ILM, yeah. where we were, we were shooting it because we went on, you know, George Lucas lot, blah, blah blah. A friend of ours was like, Hey, we love you, you know, if you want to do this, we'll throw you in there, be an extra. Like, that's f-ing awesome. Oh, yeah. Would you ever say, no Are you kidding me? So, we, there we were in a huge lightsabers, yeah, hand you lightsaber, and they go, Go to town. I'm like, What do you mean, go to town? We didn't know what the hell we were doing. So we were kind of choreographing little things to do, me and my brother. But the funniest part is, is that we're standing there like idiots. 
He goes, action. And they're literally sh- they're shooting this, you know, showing it. So we're going, we're making, <laughs> making noise. noise. <laughs> I'm like an idiot. Like, I tell my brother, like, Steve, don't make the fucking noise. Okay, because I'll start doing it. Don't do it. We're not supposed to do that. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so there were two scenes that they shot. It was that one. And there was another scene where Yoda is hovering uh, and walking down that corridor with Ewan McGregor. Okay. And there's a bunch of people in the background, and we were supposed to be those, like, one or two people. Right. Something happened. People said that it was the fans they didn't want NSYNC or any boy band to be in the in the movie, and they freaked the frick out. Right. But it wasn't even that story case at all. It's because we were SAG, and oh, we shoot all that stuff. Out. They're not SAG. They don't shoot SAG, you know, things. So it was this confidentiality thing. We signed a paper, blah, 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 but it wasn't. Something happened where, right. and they just, they just said they didn't want to deal with the hassle and just kind of uh, cut it that's out. unfortunate. See, that makes much more sense to me. Much more sense to me. Uh, you know, we had a story last week about Cumberbatch mm-hmm. and how um, there was the fan outcry about there needing to be uh, more estrogen in Star Wars. Right. So you needed more, more females. And so Cumberbatch, who's like one of the biggest act, genre actors on the planet right now, gets booted so somebody else can go in there and take it. I, I cried poodoo on that one. And uh, so this makes much more sense to me that there, there was a technical thing, a union thing uh, that present, prevented uh, sync's cameos from being uh, edited into the film, uh, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, rather than fan out. I mean, seriously, when has George ever really listened to the fans? Oh, there you go. There you go. And uh, George obviously was very aware of the fact that this shooting was going on. He was actually there, actually directed those guys a little bit, it sounds like. Um, but- now, Joey shouldn't feel bad about making the lightsaber sounds because, um, gosh, I think uh, both Ewan, Liam, uh, Hayden, they all say that they, they do that when they first, <laughs> they first get a lightsaber in their hand. They're on set, and then they usually have somebody go, um, you don't have to do that, because we'll, 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 we'll do that. The, yeah, yeah, we got that covered. We got, <laughs> yeah, right. th- thanks for your help, but I think we got this one covered. You know, right. Ben Burt's like, those guys better stop doing that right freaking now, man. <laughs> They're totally stepping on my toes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ben, we'll tell them to stop. Uh, you know what, though? I just remembered, speaking of Joey Fatone and, and Steve Sansweet, um, when we were – at uh, Ann and Stu's place, there's the there's the big pole that <laughs> guests of Rancho uh, sign, and you and I signed. Well, you you've signed a couple times, I think, but I signed right by Joey Fatone's name. Wow, Joey was there. you're practically in the band. You have you're the ward. You have the sync. Yes, you yeah right. right. You have for N sync. You you have the <laughs> um you have the wardrobe. I do. You have the stylish hair gel. And you got oh, and you got the moves. I totally gelled my hair. Of course you did. I, you're right. I, I can imagine. Did. Oh my god. Yeah, I can imagine that low flying aircraft were in danger that night. <laughs> I could only imagine. It's like all of a sudden Jason Swank is seven foot four. How did that happen? <laughs> L.A. looks hair gel. <laughs> wow. But uh, I, what a that was that would be really tough, you know. I mean, if you think about where these guys were at that time they were at the they were at the top of their game they, they were you know they could have written their own check to do just about anything and yet star wars turns them into jello they can't believe it they're going to be in star wars 
this is something that money can't buy. You have to be, you know, you have to have George's daughters as big fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they do this and a, 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 a stupid union technicality well. stops them from doing it. But, uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of talk at that time. This was a big rumor. And, Jim, it was funny. You, you didn't want to believe it. But, I mean, it, was, it, it cut into mainstream. Uh, well, I shouldn't say mainstream, but it cut into, since this is the pop culture segment, it really got into pop culture. In fact, Saturday Night Live did a whole take on what it might have been like to have sync in Star Wars. Master Windy, we have that one choice. I know, Obi-Wan. <laughs> we have to do it. In order to save the universe from tyranny and oppression, we have to let InSync kick the funk out nizzity new school style. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, InSync! Oh, girl, you know I love you. All Jedis report to Space Station Alpha Quattro by order of the Force. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, because you're my only hope. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Well, that's a little something how it might have gone down. (laughs) I think I heard you screaming in there with all those. So you were actually at the show, and all the girls were just, like, screaming nonstop. Oh, it was just insane. In fact, uh, this was was in... um, in our college days, and I was at the Ohio State University in Columbus, and after one of their concerts, they did an after party at this little club in downtown Columbus, and, and my, my girlfriend, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, uh, wanted to go, and, uh, and her best friend wanted to go, and so we drove over there, and it was just madness, and you go in, and it's this, you know, the club Sure. kind of thing right and uh just waiting around forever for these guys to show up and i'm i'm like these these guys aren't showing up here there's you know 500 chicks ready to rip their clothes off as soon as they walk in the door and uh but no sooner had i thought that and they came in and so my job was just to hold the other screaming chicks back uh, long enough for my wife and her friend to uh you know have a moment and like touch the guys as they walked in so so, you, so you're grabbing all these women who aren't even paying attention to you. They're just yelling and screaming for Nasink. And, right. and, 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 and you're, you're holding on to them so your wife... I could have done anything. They wouldn't have noticed. Wow. And, and here I am kind of like sort of in my own way mocking you for... Actually, oh, you're told, I know you're mocking me, but this, all, all this is absolutely true. But see, all, all the, but to me, now hearing you describe it it, it, it turns out it was a lovely experience. Oh, my gosh. The scenery that night was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. 
Speaking of scenery, um, yeah. there's you know that that clip we played of uh, uh, SNL is mm. uh, a clip you can see on the the Blu-ray set. There's a uh, a disc there that has documentaries and spoofs, and they actually show that on the uh, the Blu-ray. And uh, behind Mace Windu and uh, whoever the other Jedi Knight was, who was played by uh, I think what was it? who was that actor that was uh, Seth Meyers I think Seth, it was Seth yeah. Meyer yeah right. back before he did the news right right was, uh, yeah. but it was um, it was Tracy Morgan standing there and behind them they had little Hasbro action figure spaceships you know like the Naboo cruiser and and all that stuff and they were just being pulled on like fishing wire behind them but uh tracy morgan was there and so i see tracy and i i thought to myself well what's up with tracy i've been wanting to know because of course he was involved in that terrible accident in his bus that was uh rammed into by the driver of a walmart semi and uh, so I looked into it, and just recently there's been an update on Tracy, and it sounds it just doesn't sound good. It says he's having a tough time recovering from that accident in New Jersey, and he uh, he really got messed up. He broke his leg, he busted his nose, uh, broke several ribs, and uh, right now he is uh, stuck in a wheelchair, and it might be months before he can actually fully walk. So I just want to put out some good vibes to Tracy Morgan because he's, you know, kind of like a mascot of ours here at Rebel Force Radio. You know, he's the one who's seen Star Wars 500 times, and we play that at the beginning of each and every show. And so I'm always thinking about Tracy, and he's such a crazed Star Wars fan. And whenever he does talk show interviews with guys who like get him guys like Jimmy Fallon people he's worked with uh he'll he'll whip out his his Star Wars knowledge and it was a, a couple years ago on Jimmy Fallon's show when Tracy was up there and the topic turned to Star Wars and this is one of the funniest breakdowns you'll ever hear of Empire Strikes Back people don't understand that when they was on the ice planet that was the thing between you know what was missing what? In the last three Star Wars, that relationship between Obi Wan, no, between Ben, um, uh, Han Solo, yeah, Han Solo, and and Luke, that was love, man. <laughs> it was deep because um, you remember when when Luke Skywalker, the ice monster, yeah. hit him yeah. and he fell off his wop. <laughs> and then, and then, um, Han Solo was trying to get Leia, uh-huh. and she called him a scruffy little herb nerder. <laughs> scruffy little herb nerder. And then herd nerder. He went to the he went to where the hangar was, where the flyers was, and he said, "Has anyone seen Lieutenant uh, Walker?" And he said, "No, he hasn't returned yet." And he said, "Well, why doesn't someone go find him?" And then he went to look for Luke Skywalker, but he hadn't returned. Yeah. <laughs> and he was on his rock and the guy, the soldier said you'll freeze before you hit your first marker and Han Solo said well then I'll see you in hell <laughs> I said that's love that's love well then I'll see you in hell God. that is, I didn't think about that's it love. I didn't think about it at the time and then 3CPO, the door slammed and he said, he said, R2 has been known to make mistakes. And then the door slammed from time to time. And I said, oh, God. 
they missed. Something happened to Luke because Luke kept messing around out there. Yeah, he was screwing Obi Wan Kenobi come out of nowhere. Luke, don't go over there. And Luke go over there. <laughs> if you got a ghost telling you not to do it, don't do it, Holmes. <laughs> You're ahead of the game. <laughs> You're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the a game. You got Obi Wan coming through. <laughs> you have a ghost telling you what not to yeah. do. Yeah. Just see, listen to the ghost. See his name. See, regular white people call him Obi Wan. Yeah. Black people call him Obi Wan. <laughs> That's Obi Wan. <laughs> Yo, Obi. What up? No one ever said that to Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, stop. No Star Wars parodies. <laughs> All right, before we go any further, I want to stop and thank our other sponsor for this week's show, uh, Dorkside Toys. I got to tell you, I love Dorkside Toys. If you are a toy collector at all, particularly Star Wars toy collector, they are your new best friend. Uh, The the service that you get, what they have available in stock, their prices, the shipping, the speed at which you get your items after you buy them is just incredible. And... um, We've got word has been received that Jabba and the speeder bikes will be arriving and shipping out the second week of September. Now, those are the Black Series 6-inch scale Jabba and speeder bike. They're incredible. If you haven't seen these things, they're unbelievable. Uh, so those are going out. Um, they should, Actually, as we record the show, those should be going out now uh, to customers who pre-ordered. So, if, But if you didn't order any, you got to get in quick. You got to get in quick because um, they really are probably two of the best uh, toys of the year. Uh, if you haven't gotten your pre-order in for the Jabba and the Speeder Bike and you're thinking, well, I'll just wait till it comes in stock, you got to get it like right now. So um, as I said, they've got lots of new Star Wars figures, both in the three, three and three-quarter inch scale and the six-inch scale that are uh, in stock and up for pre-order. Plus Rebels. Rebels are coming out. I got to make that decision. I haven't. I haven't completely decided yet. I've already pre-ordered. I've pre-ordered. You did? Oh yeah. Okay, so you're you're all in for Rebels then. I'm you're in. Buying the Rebels. Heck yeah. All right. I'm in. I haven't. I haven't decided. Rebel Saga Legends, um, the Mission Series, uh, the jump, the big Jumbo Kenner, and uh, Pop Star Wars vinyl, all that stuff, um, in stock now. Go to shotglassdigital.com. Click on the Dorkside banner. And uh, you'll be shopping in no time, and you will not be disappointed at all. It's just it's amazing service and amazing quality that you get there. So, Jim, you're in on the on the Rebels. Yes, I've already pre-ordered through Dorkside, so I don't even have to worry about it. I'm not going on toy runs. I've heard about maybe some early sightings at various uh, stores and stuff. I'm, I'm not running around looking for it. I just know it's going to show up at my doorstep from Dorkside. So. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, yeah, I'm all in. It's uh, it's you know there there are Star Wars traditions which I must maintain, and that includes buying action figures for no matter what the Star Wars outlet is. You know, I mean, just I was at Wizard World Chicago a few weeks ago, and I actually picked up um, one of those vintage action figures from the old Ewoks cartoon show, and I've never oh, did you really? Yeah, I've never ever. Um, well, see, now you've got the bucks. Yeah. Now you're going to have to get more of them. Well, now I'm going to have to get more of them. And the thing I like the best about that particular TV show is the theme song. So, 
Uh, <laughs> I haven't been too aggressive about collecting anything from that show. Uh, but, uh, you know, vintage is vintage. And uh, when you see it out there, sometimes you just have to uh, jump at the opportunity. Um, and if you're into collecting new stuff, you want to go to a place like Dorkside Toys because Dorkside delivers. This is Sam Witwer, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio with Jason and Jimmy Mack. Hey, it's Mark Hamill, that Skywalker guy from those space movies. This is Carrie Fisher. Hey, Jake Lloyd here. Hey, it's James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I must tell you, the source for the Force is Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force. Force yourself to listen. Now this is podcasting. Hello, this is Warwick Davis, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio. This is Anthony Daniels, and they asked me to throw in an ad lib, but they didn't throw in any money, so I'm not going to throw in anything else. Goodbye. <laughs> T-shirt time. Don't know the power of the dark side. It's the Rebel Force Radio T-shirt in dark side black. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Rebel Force Radio T-shirts available now at shockglassdigital.com. Get one now before they're gone. It is your destiny. Hey, uh, hold on to your hats, but it looks like we, we actually have time for some... Uh, Listener feedback. Yeah, let's do it. Must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message after the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. Hey, Jimmy and Jason. This is Aaron from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I wanted to write in or voicemail in or comlink in. One of those. Um, about the whole Phineas and Ferb Star Wars detours controversy. Um, one crucial difference between Detours and Phineas and Ferb that no one seems to be mentioning is the fact that, you know, Detours was uh, indefinitely postponed because it actually showed versions of the Star Wars characters that made them look stupid. Uh, meanwhile, the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special does not do that in any way whatsoever. In fact, uh, the entire idea is that the actual main Star Wars movie is happening exactly as it was in the movie, but we're just seeing this alternate sort of comedic story play out in the background with different versions of the uh, Phineas and Ferb characters sort of on their own little like B-team adventure. So it's not actually making Star Wars look goofy. It's just having this goofy story play out in the background of the same Star Wars we've always known and loved. So... Anyway, that's a that's a, that's important, I think. Um, oh, by the way, it was awesome. Phineas and Ferb Star Wars, awesome. Loved the whole thing. It was great. Got to watch it. All right. Uh, may the force be with you. Laters. All right. I got to see. Is this is this thing on iTunes, this Phineas and Ferb? You haven't seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if it's on iTunes. Okay. It, it well. might even be uh, on demand, available on demand. It might be available online. Uh, I just want to uh, talk about a few of the things Aaron was addressing. Um, the question is, the reason we know Star Wars Detours was shelved or postponed was because Lucasfilm felt like it was going to sort of dilute the classic characters in such a way that new fans will perceive them as goofy or 
a little out of the ordinary when it comes time to reevaluate these characters in Star Wars Episode Seven. So it would be a poor setup for that movie. Uh, the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special. Which I just bought, by the way. Oh, good. You know what? Two ninety nine. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. You know what? We heard from Paul Bateman, and Paul liked it, and I was shocked. Paul liked it. It just didn't seem like it would be Paul Bateman's cup of tea because Paul right. is a Star Wars purist, and uh, uh, but he appreciated it for the fun that it is, and it is fun. However, a lot of people like Aaron had reached out to us and said, "Well, you know what? Though you're you're not looking at this from the proper angle." What you're seeing here are events happening in the Phineas and Ferb universe that are concurrent with the events of Star Wars A New Hope, but they don't exactly mess with what happens in Star Wars. They, they Sure, they, they intertwine along the way, the two different storylines, and they're both happening in the Star Wars universe, but they don't have any real ramifications on the Star Wars story as it's unfolding as we know it. But I disagree with that because of the fact that, I mean, I'll just use one subplot as an example. Uh, Darth Vader seems to be extremely distracted by the stormtroopers that he dispatched to the planet Tatooine to retrieve him socks from a store that specializes in socks. So to me, this kind of diminishes the threat of stormtroopers, which we've learned will be in spoiler alert, Star Wars episode seven, modified, modernized stormtroopers. So if you're going to belittle the army of the empire, and I, I shouldn't say belittle because it doesn't. And there's a really cool moment where they actually sing a song about serving in the empire as a stormtrooper. It's a fun little tune, but you know, it does kind of make certain characters look silly like Darth Vader, who is then choking an Imperial officer because the Imperial officer presented him with a submarine sandwich and not a pair of black socks. I mean, that just seems kind of silly. So um, they do interconnect and the Phineas and Ferb characters do have implications on what's happening in the events during the events of Star Wars A New Hope in this special. And not, there's there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I think it's fun. I think it's silly, and I liked it. I thought the animation was good. I thought the voice acting was okay. It was fun. Well, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out this weekend. Uh, my daughter's watched a little bit of Phineas and Ferb, so uh, she'll watch it with me. We'll take a look at it. And I, 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 Look, I didn't have really an opinion on it, um, as much as, you know, it came to my attention as I was standing at Target and the young man looked up at his dad and pointed to the R2-D2 mailbox or lunchbox and said, is that from Phineas and Ferb? And you know, I was just questioning, is this healthy? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, <laughs> as far as the special itself, I, I'm going to check it out and uh, we'll talk about it on a, on a future program. Hey, Jason and Jimmy, this is Shaz Bazaar, and I was thinking about uh, the interview you did with Dave Filoni just a couple of weeks ago, and a little bit of information he may have let slip about the timeline and the plans he had, or he has, for Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Jimmy, you asked him this question. Now, the way the Rebels is going to evolve, is it something that you guys have mapped out for 
across a, a certain amount of seasons or is it something that you're just going to let grow naturally? It's a little of both. I mean, Simon Kimberg and I, and then we work with uh, Kiri Hart, who's had a story here at Lucasfilm. We all have a, a good blueprint of, of what we're trying to do. And, you know, with a fair amount of allowing the characters to develop in their own way, and then you can't then say, I'm not going to capitalize on this new development now and add that to their character. Um, we do have a very good idea of where Ezra is going and what he's ultimately supposed to be about, mainly because none of us want to interfere with Luke Skywalker. None of us want him to, or the audience to even think he's competing with Luke Skywalker. Um, they are, you know, the way I, Simon and I were just talking about last weekend, if, you know, if New Hope is over here on the left, it's conceivable that Ezra's way over here on the right. You could perceive of a situation where they heard about a death star and they heard about it blowing up, but they didn't see it. They certainly weren't there. Mm-hmm. They heard about a death star. They heard about it glow, blowing up, but they didn't see it. They certainly weren't there. Do, is, is he saying what I think he's saying? This story is going to go through the timeline of A New Hope so that we will see some similarities, some activity between... Uh, not necessarily between the characters, but the timeline is going to be the same. I think we, we see at, at least a five-year timeline then. If this is five years before A New Hope, we're going to see it progress through A New Hope at least. This is what a lot of us were hoping uh, the Clone Wars would do, that it would progress through um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. It, it didn't quite make it that far, but I think in Rebels, I think they have a plan to do that. What do you think? What do I think? I think it's a pretty good idea as long as Agent Callus isn't out looking for socks for Darth Vader. <laughs> uh, you know, this was something that I remember having a, a conversation with Kyle uh, years, a couple years ago about the Clone Wars. And, and he felt, you know, as as we were all speculating that the Clone Wars would end just prior to the events of Revenge of the Sith, Kyle was really advocating that it actually go through the events of Revenge of the Sith and and after and show the immediate aftermath so that you could see sort of some of the things that were happening during the events of that film um, that the film wasn't showing. So I guess kind of like Phineas and Ferb, uh, you know, the other side of the camera kind of thing. But I thought that was a great idea. Could we be seeing something like that with Rebels? Could Rebels be even more tied to the original trilogy than we could have possibly ever imagined? What's a cool Kanan, idea. Maybe Kanan's hanging out somewhere in the Moss Eisley Cantina. Little do we know. But, yeah. But, uh, that would be great. But, yeah, I would love to see that sort of crossover where the events of Star Wars Rebels are happening concurrently with the events of A New Hope. And maybe there's some intersection going on there. Now, that would be something I'd sign up for. Yeah, for sure. But uh, good catch. Good catch, Shaz. Glad that um, you were paying attention because uh, I didn't catch that. I no. mean, I, 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 you know, I, I think if I had to be, look, I don't think Dave let a cat out of the bag there. I, I think what Dave was saying is that it's reasonable to expect that in a galaxy as large as the one that's far, far away, that having these characters in this story facing, these, facing the Empire does not necessarily mean 
that they should or would be tripping over each other. Um, you know, as 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 the story plays out, that it's a big galaxy. There's room for a lot of different characters, and that yeah, you can have this adventure happening here, and at the same time, you can have this adventure happening there. Meaning that the Rebels is not going to interfere with, and does not have to interfere with the Skywalker storyline. And that you know, Dave has always been um, very outspoken about his reluctance to use those characters that are so precious and near and dear to our hearts. Um, he, not that he didn't want to, but he felt a tremendous amount of responsibility and also felt that at times it tended to make the galaxy feel a little bit small if they all know each other. And um, so I think there was definitely a, a very conservative use of those core uh, characters throughout the Clone Wars outside of the principles, of course, that had to be in there. Um, but your Akbars and your Tarkins and your characters like that, your Chewbacca's, um, uh, you know, all of that um, was done, I think, very judiciously. So I don't, I don't think that Rebels is going to be a you know some mad dash to get a bunch of core original trilogy characters in there as as quickly as possible. I don't see that happening. No, but I do think we will be seeing some original trilogy characters. As the episodes progress, I definitely think we will. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, will we or will they just be talked about? No, know? no, um, no. They'll be there. They'll be on screen and on screen? living, breathing characters. I got a living, breathing character for you. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. <laughs> And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Indeed. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got more vintage morning show Billy D. That's right, Jason. Last time on the Billy D Quote of the Week, we brought you vintage Billy D interview footage from an appearance he made with Jane Pauley on NBC's Today Show to promote Empire Strikes Back. Well, here we go. Fast forward three years into the future to 1983, and Billy D is back out there doing his interview thing and bringing cool to network morning programming as he appears on ABC's Good Morning America. This is going back to May 1983 as he's out and about promoting, yes, Return of the Jedi. Mark Hamill said that in, in making this film, he said one of the earlier films, he says, you find yourself playing against a giant lobster in a flight suit. Yeah. How, do you, how do you do that? <laughs> it's very hard, I want to tell you. He spent a lot of time sitting around laughing about it. <laughs> now, those are the Admiral. Mm. And there was an earlier guy in a mask. Those were real people in, in masks. Uh, yeah, but don't ask me their names. <laughs> I, think, I think the creature that I was, that's right next to me, my co-pilot, is Akbar or something. It was, it was some, yeah. Strange yeah. Thing like that. How do you keep from giggling? <laughs> you don't keep from giggling. <laughs> you pull yourself together eventually, you know, especially when you got George and everybody standing around, you know. You have a good time making those films? Yeah, every now and again. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's hard work, actually, because you really have to use your imagination because a lot of it is blue screen. You know? Now, blue screen means there's really nothing behind yeah. you. The stuff gets added right. on later. So you have, it's pro, what do you call it, post-production stuff, right. you know, which is, as and you, you say, later. Yeah, make it easy for everybody that's to That's right, and you've got to pretend. Yeah. yeah. 
But that's what acting is all about, anyway, pretending. You have a good time acting. Oh, sure. And you've been in some wonderful things. Yeah. Really pretty good. We were talking about it last night. So I've done a lot of good prestigious <laughs> stuff. I've Absolutely. I'm not a multi-millionaire, but, <laughs> but prestigious. <laughs> he laughs at himself. He describes his career as prestigious, and he laughs it off. But, uh, you know, it's always interesting to go back and, you know, especially nowadays, Billy Dee's been a regular on the convention scene for the last decade. And we've all heard Q&As with him. We've attended such events at Star Wars celebrations and other conventions. And, and we hear Billy Dee talk about Star Wars in retrospect. You know, he's looking back into the past and sometimes he might be looking back with a little bit of a filter or a little bit of uh, lost memory. Who knows? So it's really interesting to get his take as these films are being released and hear what he's really thinking about it all. And and to me, what I hear Billy D saying is that uh, the, the whole thing is just so absurd. It's beyond him. And uh, he's happy to be part of it, but it is more or less a job for him. And uh, he just doesn't get it. I think Billy D has been educated a lot on what makes Star Wars what it is over the course of the last decade. But uh, back then, you know, I mean, Billy Dee's too cool for school, too. You know, he's up on stage with a bunch of puppets and stuff, and, you know, he might be a little, hey, you know, what are the ladies thinking about all this, you know? But, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. I think you're, I think you're right, and, and it's hard, you know, for us. I mean, certainly Star Wars was, was huge back in, in 1983. Uh but they had no idea of what it was going to become. And so you fast forward three decades later and all of a sudden he's still talking about it. He's still, you know, able to, to, to make a living based on the fact that he was Lando Calrissian. The fans have been very kind to him and I think he's been great back to the fans. So yeah, you're talking about a guy that, you know, 30 years hindsight makes a, makes a big difference. It does. It does. And it's funny, though. Billy D still seems a little disconnected from certain things in the Star Wars universe, because I think even if you approach him and ask, I mean, you heard him slip up there where he said his co-pilot was Akbar, when, of course, we know it was Nine Numb. <laughs> But, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not calling Billy D. Williams out for that. But one thing uh, you know about Billy D. I think even to this day, you'll get this response to questions about certain characters in Star Wars. Don't ask me their names. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Been a fun one. Fun, fun show. Fun show. There's something very old school about tonight. I can't quite put my finger on it, but old school. Old school. Old school. Wow. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors this week, Dorkside Toys and, of course, Little Debbie Snack Cakes. Uh, and, and a special shout-out to our friend Thomas from Little Debbie. He was in town in Cleveland and uh, we just missed each other today. It was really unfortunate, but uh, we'll, we'll make it up for sure. I'm hoping that we'll all be together at Celebration 7. That would be fantastic. But uh, we love Tom and the guys at uh, Little Debbie. Um, want to also thank our guest from earlier in the program, uh, Jimmy Mack, 
uh, caught up with him, Matthew Myatt, the simulations engineer for Airborne Aviation Flying Club at Popham Airfield in Hampshire. Boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, who Woo. caught the um, the Star Wars equivalent, the famous Cuban Missile Crisis photos. We've got the Millennium Falcon and two X-Wings spotted. Pretty exciting stuff. So that was awesome. Uh, email address, if you'd like to uh, play with us in between shows, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com. Those voicemail line, you heard a couple of voicemails come in. They did that by dialing 708-320-1737 or 708-320-1RFR. The Twitter feed, at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. And the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio for breaking news, links to stories you won't find anywhere else, at least not for a while. A great conversation amongst the best audience in all of Star Wars podcasting. The iTunes, that's, uh, you know, they had big announcements yesterday. Uh, soon, uh, Jim, people are going to be listening to Rebel Force Radio on their Apple Watch. On the watch. On does their the, watch. Does, now, how does the Apple Watch make me a better Star Wars fan? We'll have to figure that out. I think it does, though. I'm going to find out early next year. Oh, yeah. I drank You're the late. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> sure oh, yeah. Yeah, my big d- dilemma right now is do I go with the iPhone 6 or the iPhone 6 Plus? You know, that's that's that 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 the bigger version. It's like a phone and a tablet. It's like a phablet. I don't know. It's kind of dorky, but so am I. Uh, so anyway, iTunes, they're a great, great, great catalog of um, podcasts. Probably the most complete catalog of podcasts available on the Internet. And you can subscribe and review your favorite shows, including Rebel Force Radio. Uh, we just have one rule about those reviews. Make them good. The official website for Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com, and all of our programming, including what we talked to you about at the beginning of the show, Star Wars and non-Star Wars related, all available at shotglassdigital.com. And we have a Facebook page for Shot Glass, also facebook.com slash shotglassdigital. If you internet radio junkies, you can listen to Rebel Force Radio just about each and every Saturday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time at srsounds.com. That's Sorcerer's Radio, srsounds.com. Don't forget to get your Rebel Force Radio t-shirt ordered. Jimmy, you just got a blast from the past. You got a t-shirt order from our old buddy Pete. Yeah, Pete's going to be uh, visiting Disney, and he's going to say it loud and say it proud with a Rebel Force Radio t-shirt. Absolutely. So That's awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. We love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Don't ask me their names. Yeah, it's a wrap. <laughs>